Hello there, Filled With Messages fans. I'm so grateful you've joined me today. If you don't know me, I'm Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor at St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. One of Rembrandt's masterpieces is a painting called Jeremiah Lamenting the Destruction of Jerusalem. The Jeremiah depicted in the painting is the prophet from the biblical book by the same name. For decades, he begged the Israelites to change their ways. He pestered them about making better choices. He warned them about the consequences that were likely to come if they continued to fail to act with kindness, love, mercy, and walk humbly with God. But the Israelites did not heed Jeremiah's call. Their capital city, Jerusalem, and therefore their nation was destroyed, and the vast majority of Israelites were forced into exile in foreign lands. In the painting, Jeremiah is looking towards Jerusalem, which is burning in the distance. As I look at it, some of the emotions I feel coming from Jeremiah are sadness, grief, frustration, remorse, disappointment, depression, exhaustion. I also see the heartbreak of broken dreams. This isn't the way things are supposed to be. When I think of the feelings I see in Rembrandt's depiction of Jeremiah, one of the places my mind goes is forgiveness. Often when someone has hurt us and we're struggling with forgiveness, we're filled with similar feelings to the ones I see in Rembrandt's Jeremiah. Forgiving can be so hard, but most of us know either instinctually or maybe through reading about research studies that forgiveness is an essential element to our health and well-being. Most of us also understand that it's an essential element of our faith. Forgiveness is a muscle we need to exercise We need to learn what forgiveness is and isn't. We can try different forgiveness techniques to develop a sense of what forgiveness feels like when we're doing it authentically, because forgiveness will be different for each of us and in each situation. We can explore processes that can help us decide if and when to forgive. Forgiveness is good for us, but it cannot nor should it be rushed or forced. For those of us who are seeking to live like Jesus, one of the places we might turn for help in deepening our understanding of forgiveness is God. How does God forgive? Can we forgive similarly? Today's scripture text gives us a snapshot of one of the times God forgave the Israelites, and it can help us see how we might exercise forgiveness ourselves. Hear these words from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was the husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the greatest of them to the least, declares the Lord. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, open our hearts, our minds, our bodies to receive your wisdom, your grace, your love, your hope, your direction for our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts May they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Many, many years before today's text from Jeremiah, the Israelites and God had made promises to each other to be true in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. 
There were specific rules that they had made with each other to back up these broader promises, but the foundational promises were the core of their relationship. While God was faithful, almost to a fault, to their relationship, the Israelites were not. To remind the Israelites of their promises, to beg them to return to their relationship, God sent prophets. Prophets were people of all genders who received and shared messages from God. Jeremiah, specifically, is one of what Christians call the major prophets. Major is not his rank, nor does it indicate that he is more important than the minor prophets. Also has nothing to do with musical terminology. The word major is just an indicator that the book detailing Jeremiah's ministry is large. In fact, if you count verses and words, it's the longest book in the Bible. Jeremiah shared messages from God with the Israelites for several decades. The messages were mostly warnings that the Israelites were making choices that were going to bring terrible consequences. Jeremiah's prophecies are very hard to read today, as they contain images and metaphors that we find deeply troublesome. They would have been hard for his original audience, but not nearly as hard as they are for us. After chapters and chapters of doom and gloom, Jeremiah's tone shifts, and he offers hope. The consequences of the Israelites' faithfulness will be real and devastating. Their country will cease to exist. Their capital city and the temple, the literal dwelling place of God on earth, will be destroyed. Most of them will be forced to live in exile. But even after all that happens, God will not forget or give up on his beloved people. God will restore them. God will write a new covenant with them. God will forgive them. God will remember their sins no more. But how could God forgive the Israelites for being so unfaithful, for making such a mess of their relationship? God's heart was broken by the Israelites' choices. God had great dreams for them, but their choices had made those dreams impossible. How do we forgive people who have broken our hearts, our trust, our relationship? Knowing how challenging forgiveness is, researchers who study the topic have tried to come up with succinct, step-by-step processes that can help us. One of them is known by the acronym REACH. Recall the hurt. Empathize with the one who hurt you. Altruistically gift forgiveness. The researchers had to do some linguistic jumping jacks to get that A in the right place. Commit to the forgiveness. Hold on to forgiveness. While this method obviously didn't exist when God was working through the process of forgiving the Israelites, it aligns quite well with the example we find in Jeremiah of how God forgives. For many years through Jeremiah, God recalls the hurt God and God's creation have experienced through the Israelites' poor choices. God doesn't hold back in detailing the disappointment and the hurt God has experienced. Here's one of the tamer snippets. Among my people are the wicked who lie in wait like those who snare birds and like those who set traps to catch people. Like cages full of birds, their houses are full of deceit. They have become rich and powerful and have grown fat and sleepy. Their evil deeds have no limit. They do not seek justice. They do not promote the cause of the fatherness. They do not defend the just cause of the poor. One of the reasons we need to recall the hurt in order to forgive is because in recalling it, we can become an observer of the event and the person we're seeking to forgive, rather than repeatedly cycling through our feelings of being wronged or how bad the person is who hurt us. And putting some distance between us and the story at the heart of our need to forgive, we can begin to release the hurt. If we want to forgive, releasing the hurt is necessary. This is not to say we ignore the hurt or the behaviors that led to it. More on that in a minute. 
Recalling simply allows us to begin to let go of the hurt. After God spends a lot of time recalling the hurt, God works to empathize with those who have hurt him. While God doesn't excuse their behavior, God also acknowledges their pain and suffering. God acknowledges that they too have been hurt not by God, but by other circumstances. When we're trying to forgive, it's tempting to otherize the person who's hurt us. It's tempting to call them bad names, judge them for their choices. Empathizing helps us look for points of connection. It helps us remember that we too are imperfect and make choices that hurt others. It reminds us that we too have wounds that sometimes cause us to make choices we wish we hadn't made. It reminds us that we too sometimes have horrible days and are super grouchy. Empathy doesn't ignore the hurt we've experienced. It doesn't dismiss our pain. Empathy simply builds a connection between us and those who hurt us. It helps us see our mutual humanness and our commonality. God was under no obligation to forgive the Israelites. They had broken their relationship with God. They had been unfaithful to the promises they made. Yet God offered to make a new covenant with them and forgive them altruistically. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will forgive their wickedness. Altruism is behaving unselfishly towards others. It's giving something to someone which they haven't earned or maybe even that they don't deserve. It's one of the cornerstones of forgiveness. Forgiveness is only truly forgiveness when it is given freely, unselfishly, without demanding anything in return. God also promises to remember their sin no more. Perhaps because God is God, it's easier for God to remember things no more. But we humans often have long memories and have to not just commit ourselves to forgiveness, but also hold on to it. Sometimes we have to forgive almost on a moment-by-moment basis. Sometimes we have to cling to forgiveness because it can so easily slip through our fingers. While forgiveness helps us to let go of the hurt and pain, that does not mean that our relationships need to go back to exactly what they were like before we were hurt. Sometimes forgiveness includes letting go of the relationship entirely or changing the way we interact with the person who hurt us. Forgiveness is a part of the healing journey, but it is not healing itself. In particular, if a wound is deep and has touched or has touched on other core wounds from the past, forgiveness will not heal the wound entirely. We can choose to forgive, and we will also need to do other work, likely with a pastor or therapist, to help us heal the wound entirely. The REACH method of forgiveness is not perfect. It works better for smaller hurts than deeper ones. Claims to work in less than two hours, and I find claims like that questionable. But this model might help you exercise and grow your forgiveness muscles. You can easily find it if you do a Google search for REACH forgiveness method. May we be intentional about learning how to forgive. And may we look to God for guidance about how we might do so. Thanks so much for joining me today, friends. As you go from here... May you think about, pray about, reflect on forgiveness. May you work those forgiveness muscles. And may God be with you, guiding you and giving you hope as you seek to forgive the wounds and hurts that you have experienced. Grace and peace to you, my friends. Take good care.